June 18th, 2023, we're continuing in Misilat Yesharim. Let's begin again with Perik Yodzayin, Bedarke Keniyata Tahora. So Misilat Yesharim described for us in Perik Tetzayin this concept known as, this character trait known as Tahora. And he at uh, great length described to us what it means to live a life in which we're not hindered and driven by um, external considerations, either for the... Um, attachment to physicality, or even within spiritual pursuits, when we're doing mitzvot, when we're learning Torah, we're doing with the proper intent. And what's the darkei keniyah? What's the way in which we can achieve, we can acquire that character trait, again, known as tahora? Hine haderech lehasig hamidah hazoti, writes, kalhu lemishikvar hishtadel vihisig hamidot hashinuyot adhenna. If you've worked until now on the different character traits, on the perishut, on the zirizut, and so forth, and so he says, uh, the attachment, the direction toward um, tahora is more simple. It's uh, something that's uh, somewhat uh, easy to consider and to understand. says, once you consider and realize, which uh, along the way, Masilat Yisharim has repeated to us more than once, how the world, the physical world, the material world, the world that you and I encounter on a consistent basis is really filled with darkness. It's thick in terms of its spiritual achievements. In other words, it's difficult to break through that. And as a result, uh, to, to a large extent, it's vain and it's vanity and it's matters which are futile. So as if you really wrap your head around that, which many of these character traits, these midot that we've been learning about have been bringing us to understand it's not just been actions, it's been mindset, it's been approach to life. And when you realize and it becomes true to you that those are deficiencies, those are evils, it's certainly a lot more easy, not that there's an absolute ease, but there's more ease uh, to move yourself away from them, to distance yourself from wrongful activities. Uh, if a person knows something is poison and they really believe that and know that, they're not going to play with it. If they know that it's a scorching fire, they won't be, unless they're really out of their mind, actually uh, touching it and putting it on their body. It says, a person who trains themselves, a person who brings themselves on this path in this direction will come to the point that any physical ac actions that are necessary will be considered for you uh, similar to anus. In other words, uh, it's against your will, so to speak. I need to eat. I need to sleep. I need to take care of myself. It's not because that's my passion. It's not because that's my drive. It's because that's what needs to be the reality. I, I, don't, I, can't, uh, I can't achieve anything if I don't have the bare necessities of a physical life. Ve'omnam, however, he continues, K'moshe tahorat ha-machshava hilaknu alishne halakim. Silaat continues, he writes, the same way that tahorat ha-machshava, that purity of mind, we really split into two. Uh, we just today mentioned them very briefly. Uh, they are ha'echad ma'asim ha'gufanim. One is with regards to pursuits of physical and worldly ta'anugim, uh, pleasures and desires, hedonistic drives. Ha'echad ma'asim ha'avodah. And the other one was a lot more difficult 
and harder to parse because it was in uh, avodah, it was in worship of God, when a person's doing it with the wrong intention or has intermingled the wrong intentions in their avodah, their worship of God. He says, well, that in mind, he says, so too, the way to achieve tahora needs to be and is broken into two as well. In order to purify our mind with regards to, again, the, um, the drive for gufaniyut, for physical involvement, the way to deal with that one is That one's a little bit more straightforward. That one comes with just straighten your mind, understand what is our purpose? The way Mesilat Yisharim began, if you recall. What is our Choda in this world? Mesilat Yisharim told us the very onset of the book. It is to understand Ma Chodato Shel Adam Be'olamo Yisod HaChasidut Shoresh Avoda HaTemima Hu Shitpare Be'itamet Etzel Adam Ma Chodato Be'olamo What's the purpose of you and me in this world? It's two, first and foremost. It's not the purpose per se, but it's the root of our purpose to become true to ourselves with regards to what's our direction, what's our purpose. As a result, he says, we'll distance ourselves from the gufaniyut if we understand our purpose. Excuse me, so that's that. What about the second dimension? That was the that's that's the purpose. I, I I've corrected myself. The shorish ha'avodah, the yesod, the foundation of how I come to that is by amitut. Uh, but now we have the second dimension. Second dimension is how do we purify ourselves in the context of study of Torah, of mitzvot, of prayer, and all that sort of stuff. How do I know that I'm doing it with the proper intention? How do I know that I'm doing it in the appropriate direction? Instead of looking at, uh, so to speak, the vanities of this world, but I'm focused on not this world, well, understand that you're intermingling, you're mixing with wrongful intention is by understanding the tarmita kavod, that wrongful side of, um, of, of uh, self-honor, of dignity, which is wrong, and uh, its pitfalls, and train yourself to run away from kavod, from honor, from what people will say positively about you. If you've trained yourself enough, if you've brought yourself along that route on a consistent basis to not caring about and realizing that it's wrong for you to care about what others say or do for you, it's rather about what's truthful, uh, well, in turn, that will bring you to a truthful where do we find our tehila, our praise, not only external but internal? What's our own praise? It's our connectedness, it's our understanding of being a true Oved. Hashem. What's an Oved Hashem at its core, at its highest level? It's an Oved Me'ahava. It's not because I'm inspired by something uh, that's going to come my way. It's Oseha Emet Mepeneshu Emet in the Lashon of Harambam. 
Hu tehillatecha v'hu elohecha. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is your tehillah. He's your God. What does it mean he's your tehillah? You're looking for tehillah from others or you're looking for what it means to be mehulal. Mehulal means to be elevated. Am I elevated because Sir Ralph, Joey, Eddie says something about me? Or am I elevated because HaKadosh Baruch Hu is whom I'm served? Are we saying that we don't? It's a reference to this pasuk in, in Devarim. And okay, so we talked about mindset. We talked about wrapping our head around mission. What about actions? What can we be doing proactively to bring ourselves to that mindset? How can we bring ourselves to taharata lev hamachshava? He says it's hazmana le ha'avoda ve'hamitzvot. Zeman, zayin mem nun, is something, is a word that, an ashorish of a word that, that refers to something that's set aside. A mazmin, I'm inviting you to my, uh, to my occasion. It's you as opposed to others, not an open invitation. Invitation means that I've determined who it's going to be. Zeman on the calendar or on the date or on the hour is a specific time. It's specific. It's set aside. Uh, when the Gemara talks about zimun, it means we're gathering the several of us together in order to um, praise God. The Zayin Mem Nun designates in, in its wording in the Hebrew language something that's set aside. As a result over here, what he's referring to is Hazmana mitzvot. It's setting aside mind, body, and efforts to mitzvot. I mean, of course, that's what you need to do. You shouldn't enter into, in a spontaneous way, performance of mitzvot. He says that you shouldn't, without having the, um, the prerequisite time period of understanding what I'm entering into, of comprehending and thinking about, I'm about to speak to God, I'm about to perform this mitzvah. Don't just jump into it. That's, that's, not, that's not just an, uh, a praiseworthy approach. It's a necessary approach. In truth, the Mikubalim, the Jewish mystics in the last several hundred years have, have suggested very strongly that people begin mitzvot with what's called Lishem Yehud. There's a mention of, I'm about to, with this performance of mitzvah, prayer, or beracha, I'm going to God, I'm going to affect in the upper worlds X, Y, and Z. I'm furthermore understanding this is what I'm doing. I'm not just doing it. It's not going to be a mitzvah, mitzvot anashim melumada. Hacham uh, Avadia Yosef, who disputes and says it's not absolutely necessary, says, but you should still have that hazmana in your mind. How do you effectuate that? Through berachot. I make a beracha, shekidishanu, b'mitzotav, sivanu, and then I mention what I'm about to do. That's a moment, even a few seconds, in which a person can say, this is what I'm about to perform. I know, and I'm mindful of this. It's not just a spontaneous action and gesture. You say even before the beracha? The mekubalim go even before. Mesilati Sharim says, be prepared for it. There's no way he's talking about two seconds. Of I, I, I think the bare, bare necessity is, is, is two seconds. Hamvadeh quotes from Ritva and Masech Pesachim that that's what you're doing with the Beracha. Mm-hmm. Nobody, he's going to quote in a moment from the Gemara and Berachot and Daflamid, the Hasidim Rishonim who'd give an hour before prayer to contemplate. There's no questioning. The more a person could be and is mindful, the greater it is in terms of their attachment. We know this pretty much. 
Understood. Well, the truth is, Hakam Vadya Yosef would, his sons attest to the fact that on certain mitzvot, he would say L'Shem Yehud, even though generally speaking, he dissuaded people from doing so. Most of them, like Sefirata Omer, where there was, there were no action. And action oftentimes brings us and inspires us to a certain sense of kavana. And when you don't have an action, so maybe there it's more appropriate to do the Shem Yehud, at the very least to wrap your head around that there's no, that there's no questioning the necessity and the importance as Misilati Sharim is telling us. The truth is you have elsewhere certain concepts of this sort as well. The Gemara and Berachot, Shohan Aruch and Siman Sadigimal talks about um, uh, prior to Tefillah, how we say Ashre. And we have Mizmorim and the Zemirot at the beginning of the Tefillah. What's the purpose of that? Is that prayer? That's praise of God. It's supposed to be machnis our minds and ourselves into Torah, into Ahava, into Simcha prior to standing in front of God. You're just going to stand in front of Him or you're going to prepare yourself appropriately. Yod has a statement about Bil Azar. Bil Azar used to give Siddakah prior to prayer. If I'm looking for righteousness, if I'm searching from God righteousness, if I want to emulate Him, I need to enter into it with a mindset through action. Hazmana, putting ourselves into the frame of mind through actions, is, and we know it in anything and everything that we do. If we don't pause and take stock of what I'm about to do, I lose the whole experience. It becomes uh, mechanical. And so says Misilati Sharim, if you're searching for tahorah, if you want to be doing the, uh, the action with the proper intention, well, pause and think about it. Make certain you know what you're doing. You see, even Nefesh HaChayim, whom we learned t- together last year, a Nefesh HaChayim who's disputing, by and large, the Hasidic way of life some 150 or so years ago, or maybe a little bit more, he's the, the Hasidim whom he felt or knew were taking people away from true study of Torah and focused more on just elevated thoughts. And so as a result, he's uh, opposed to an overemphasis on prayer in the context of, t- of Torah, on repentance, on Teshuvah in the context of Torah. He at the same time says, but it's appropriate and perhaps necessary that you begin and maybe even pause in the middle of your Limu Torah uh, to stop and to think about Yerat Hashem and to maybe even have a brief vidui. Well, he doesn't negate the concept. It's impossible to do so because then it turned into just the subject matter. Then it turned into just a mechanical action. If this is about avodah, if this is about worship, by definition, there needs to be preparation. By definition, I need to be invested in this. Otherwise, well, what is it? It might be a beautiful experience, but, but it doesn't have the right intention. He'll liken it in a moment or two to potentially a woman, by extension a man, who's having, a, who's having an affair in their mind. Uh, they might be going through the actions with their spouse, but ultimately speaking, that's not a relationship. That's a relationship which has a mind elsewhere, but I'm doing the actions, but I'm invested. They're not truly invested. How are you preventing that by saying, what am I about to do if this is what you want to do? You have to prepare your mind and your heart. We know that word from the beginning of Pirke Avot means to do something slowly and systematically. So that you enter in with Hitbonenut, the word Binah, as we've talked about more than once, Milashon Ben is in between. Uh, the spaces in between are, ultimately speaking, what define who we are, in my opinion, in my understanding. It's the Da'at that the Mikubalim oftentimes refer to as well in a different context. But Binah, for our purposes over here, means to understand that there's that zone, there's that realm in between thought and action. 
There's that realm in between anything and everything, the steps in between the transition periods. Hitbonenut means pausing and building that zone. Hitbonenut, in turn, it means injecting what I'm doing with meaning, meaning I'm not run, running from one into the next. I'm placing a bina, I'm placing a bin, an in, in-between in zone, so that I purposefully enter. If a person has this mind, if a person enters with this uh, vision and perspective, so as a result, it will be easier for them to dismantle, to, to throw off of themselves any pinyot chitzoniot, lifnot panim is a face, means to turn your face, chitzonot means external, external visions, external focuses, v'ikbal belibo, and you'll establish in your mind and heart instead, hakavana ha'mitit ha'resuya, the true intention that's necessary as your Oved Hashem. V'tireh, shahasidim harishonim, he cites now from the Gemara and Berachot and Daf Lamed, the Hasidim, which is really the next character trait is Hasidut in, in Mesilat Yesharim. But he says, look over the Hasidim in order to achieve, so to speak, that name. As the Gemara refers to the earlier Hasidim, the pious ones. What did they do? And so we can imagine all sorts of, maybe they fasted a lot. Uh, perhaps they uh, prayed 24 hours a day. Maybe they studied Torah Tam, Umanu Tam. No, this is the statement about Hasidim Arishonim. Hayushohim Sha'ah Had Kodim Tfilatam. They would pause and stop for an hour to contemplate prior to their to their prayer. Uh, the truth is, the Gemara wonders, well, how is it then that they had a life? What did they do the rest of the time? The Gemara has, and does remind us that they were Hasidim, but understand that's three hours of the day not even immersed in prayer. It's three hours in preparation for prayer, an hour before Shachrit, an hour before Menchai, an hour before Albit. Whether it means a full hour or not is not the point. The point is that there was a segment of time, and that's what defined them, so to speak, as Hasidim, or that was a part of the personality of what it meant to it's, uh, it's, it's, it's ridiculous to consider the fact that maybe they were wasting their time. It was a time of batala. Rather, this was a time where they were preparing their minds and hearts for prayer. Shohan Aruch and Siman Sadiqet cites this. Shohan Aruch talks about the concept that we're addressing over here. This is not just a pietistic nice way of approaching God. We're not going to do an hour, but to enter into prayer without contemplation. It's true, we have Ashrei, we have the Zimirot beforehand, which help us get into that mode and mindful uh, approach. Uh, but this is necessity. How could you have an approach of God? How can you have a dialogue with another without realizing what you're doing, without being mindful? Of the fact. In that time, they would push away any of the uh, wrongful, uh, strange, and foreign thoughts. They would be filled with the awe and the love and devotion as necessary. And the Pasuk in Eov says, If you've prepared your heart and mind, then you might think about Nisiat Kapayim, but Perisat Kapayim means to open your palms. To open your palms is a mode of prayer. Uh, we have this in Shemot Perek Tet, 
Uh, when I'm going to leave the city, says Moshe, I'm going to be pores my kapaim in order to pray for you, he says to Paro. You have pesukim elsewhere. Perisat kapaim is a reference to prayer. The pasuk then says, If you prepared your heart, then then open your palms and request and make a, a petition in prayer, right? You follow? In other words, tefillah needs to be. It's not just, it's, it's almost as if it's being stated over here as a necessity. It's uh, reminiscent to a certain extent of the Gemara in Masechet Kiddushin Andaf Mem Aleph, where the Gemara references and tells us about the different Emoraim and the preparation for Shabbat, Rav Safra and others, they would prepare for Shabbat on their own. And the Gemara is mentioning this in the context of Mitzvah Bo Yotel Mi What's the idea? The idea being when I perform something, it's greater than sending a messenger to do it. The Gemara is in the context of the Mishnah. When it's talking about how to be mekadesh, how to uh, betroth a woman, but the Gemara uh, is is very telling because it's talking about a hakana for Shabbat. It's not even a mitzvah on Shabbat. And they're not saying kiddush on their own as opposed to having someone else saying they were preparing. They would be uh, scorching the fish on their own. They would be preparing uh, the food on their own. The idea again being that even Nitziva Valoshin makes a point of this in his Ha'amek She'elam, that the concept of mitzvah bo yotem bishlochot, that performing the mitzvah is greater to be done on your own than by an emissary, than by a messenger, applies even to what's called hechsher mitzvah. Hechsher mitzvah is the preparation for the mitzvah. Oh, that's an amazing thing. It's preparation for the mitzvah has a merit in and it of itself. In light of misilat yesharim, in light of thinking about this logically, it makes a lot of sense. Not only the performance of the mitzvah I need to be doing on my own, it's everything that goes into it. You know, I, listen, I'm not great at this in my own life, maybe not in mitzvot, but in other things, I'm not, I don't, uh, to, I'm not so great at it. When we have family trips, for example, my wife is in charge, she does all the planning. Uh, but she, she takes ownership over it. The trip as a result is an altogether different trip for her than it is for me. For me, it's a spontaneous uh, discovery of what's coming next. For her, she has everything prepared. She knows exactly how it's supposed to be aligned, and she's able to appreciate it in ways that I'm not. In mitzvot, that's the statement. In mitzvah bo yotem means investing yourself in the preparation, even, again, the examples of the Gemara, the performance of the mitzvah, as certainly, but the examples of the Gemara, even in the preparation of it, uh, and Haram Bams posek this way in Hilchot Shabbat as well. That's for that reason many people try to men as much as they do. Maybe they should do more, but they prepare the candles for their wives on the Eid of Shabbat. Many Ashkenazim have such a minhag. Um, but um, the, the concept again being that putting my mind, that's what the Gemara mentions in the context of of Kabbalat Shabbat in Masechet Shabbat. The Gemara says that they used to go out into the fields and be me'atef themselves in Talet. They said, Bo v'netze lekrat Shabbat Malketa. You know, we mimic that with Lechadodi on Friday. And I, well, what's the idea? The idea is I'm accepting Shabbat, just jumping into Shabbat. I'm purposefully and mindfully preparing myself, setting myself up, up for the moment. We have it with Kabbalat Torah as well. The Torah tells us that Kadosh Baruch Hu turns to Moshe and tells him three days of preparation. Make certain build a fence around the mountain, or at the very least safeguard it. Make certain that the people's minds, their hearts, their wherewithal is directed at what they're about to achieve. Don't just let this be a spontaneous uh, spur of the moment experience. It's an experience which was purposefully planned which the people understood was coming and was going to be. The truth is in Bereshit Perek Lamete, 
there's a pasuk with regards to Yaakov Avinu, which HaKadosh Baruch Hu commands him to go, and he's going to sacrifice, and the pasuk says, Veshev Sham, Veshev Sham, you should stop and dwell there. And those extra words in the pasuk provoke some of the Mepharshim, Seforno, and others to say that was preparation. He needed to be mindful of the fact that he's about to, Oh, he's about to construct a, an altar, a mizbeah. He's about to sacrifice. wasn't just mechanically perform it. We mentioned it just two weeks ago at the beginning of the parasha, Rashi, where he's talking uh, the midrash about beha'alotecha. Why is it that the pasuk says beha'alotecha tanerot, the menorah, in quick succession right after the nisim in parashat naso brought their presence, brought their uh, matanot to the Mishkan. And the suggestion is that Aharon was downtrodden. Aharon was feeling sad that he and his people, the Levim, were not a part of those dedications. Indeed. And so as a result, HaKadosh Baruch Hu consoles Aharon. He tells him, Shelecha, for you, it's greater than what they're doing. They might be dedicating the Mishkan, but you... You'll be metiv umadlike tanerot. First and foremost, pay attention to what they were doing. They were preparing the mishkan. That was the preparation of the mishkan. Uh, they were they were bringing the matanot. What's that? I know. I'm expanding. I'm telling you the inspiration of the Friday night uh, derasha. Uh, so Aharon's claim in turn is a silly claim. I'm nervous. You didn't get to prepare the mishkan, but you get to service. You get to worship in the mishkan. So the response should have been uh, slap him on that face and. Uh, Cop him on the head and say to him, Aharon, what are you talking about? You're going to be the main player in the Mishkan. Instead, but listen to the response, according to the Midrash that Rashi cites, you will be metiv, you'll prepare, and madlik etanerot, and light the candles. Which means to say, it's not just the outcome. It's not just that you're going to light the candles. It's that you're going to prepare them. You're going to clean the candles as well. It's almost as if between the lines, the Midrash is sending a lesson to us. Aharon's envy, so to speak, was... I didn't get to be involved in planning the trip. That's a, you know, I don't have that envy of my wife, but I understand it. In other words, I, I, I want to be involved in that as well. I want to be involved in what's brought to set forth the stage. I want to I build the scenery. I don't want to just be the actor. And the response in turn, if you read carefully, is not just that you're going to be madlika tanerot. It's that you're going to prepare metiv u madlika tanerot. That's a very telling midrash. It's very much in line with this. If you're going to be a part of something, if you're going to be a part of avodah, worship of another, if you're going to be involved in a relationship with another, if you just jump into it, if you don't have a prerequisite, a, a time period leading up to it, a hitbonenut, that bina zone in which you're able to wrap your head around it, in which you have that, uh, that transition, if you don't carefully plan that and mindfully approach it, well, then the avodah will be one which is deficient. What are those that deter us from truthful, from properly achieving uh, tahora? It's an inability to focus, to wrap our heads around, to think about the matters that we mentioned. First and foremost, the lowliness, the, the nothingness of ta'anugim, of the pleasures of this world, Physical pleasure, pleasures, the uh, insignificance of uh, chasing after the futile attempts at achieving uh, dignity and honor from others. And lastly, the third of which we spend most of our time talking about, it's not sufficiently preparing ourselves for worship. It says those first two, when you don't properly wrap your head around and realize that there's 
uh, nothing inherently positive in the Ta'anugeha Olam. And secondly, when you think that the honor from others is significant, it says that will liken you in your avodah, and this is what we mentioned earlier, to a woman who's uh, committing an affair against her husband. It says just the mindful wrongful mind, wrong mindful mindset, uh, in which a person has their mind elsewhere, that zenu, that in and of itself is a betrayal. doesn't need to be per se action-based betrayal. It's a mindful betrayal. It's a mind which is set not on that which I purposefully am approaching, but rather on something else, as we read in this past week's parasha, so the pasuk describes our enaim and our live, our eyes and our heart, not our actions per se, as zenut, as betrayal in, in, a, in a relationship sense. Because the mind and the heart is no longer t- directly and fully attached to that which it should be. Uh, to different different uh, wrongful uh, uh, and fake matters. How so? That the nature of the person is, is to... Yeah. The nature of the person. But it's a reality, is it not? So that's the first one. What about if a person doesn't properly prepare with mind and body for the worship? They'll be driven to the physical engagement. The truth is, it's difficult, as, as the Baalei Musa teach, to disattach ourselves from all physicality. Uh, to come to the point where physicality is honest is, is very difficult. But ultimately speaking, to transform, to redirect our physical into the spiritual, well, that's what you can do through appropriate preparation. And in turn, you spoil, you rot your avodah, uh, with all this wrongful mindsets and 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 intentions, as says Mesilat Yisharim Unevaer Atan, we'll start it for a moment. Midata Hasidut that would summarize, that would crystallize for us. Midata Tahora. Let's now tread forward into Midata Hasidut, piety of sorts. So Tahora again was wrapping our heads around this appropriate. What's Hasidut? What does it mean to be a Hasid in today's day, day and age? We imagine Hasidim as individuals who live maybe in Williamsburg or Borough Park or elsewhere, but what does it mean in the, uh, in the sense of the Talmud, in the sense of Misilat Yisharim, long before we had a mo- movement known as Hasidim? Midata Hasidut serichahi be'emet lebi'ur gadol. Says Misilat Yisharim, you have to have a full interpretation, explanation to this matter because it's prone to uh, mistakes, mistakes that are detrimental. He says there are many ways and practices which people believe are Hasidut, acts of piety. And in reality, they are galme hasidut. The word golem is a reference to something that's incomplete. It's a body, it's a being, which hasn't been finished. It doesn't have the proper attributes, the physical and spiritual side of matters. We think about the maharal and the golem in Prague, but ultimately speaking, golem is an entity. It means it's incomplete. You can be attempting to become a Hasid by doing actions without realizing 
what it means to be a Hasid, and you're half-baking your Hasidut. You're creating in your own actions a golem. You're creating something which is inappropriate and wrong, even though it appears to be right. Says Mesilat Yesharim, we're going to have to spend some time to truth, truly and properly understand what Hasidut uh, entails. Baruch Adonai Amen ve'amen.